Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to the Longhorn live stream. It is uh, Aaron Hogan, Jerry Hamilton, Rod Babers. Hook them. That's right, Rod. We got uh, Longhorn chatter for an hour plus. Your questions, your conversation. It's brought to you by Energy Texas. We'll certainly talk some uh, Texas and uh, Washington in the Sugar Bowl, but that's 28 days away. We got portal mania. We've got oh. recruiting. We've got uh, official visits and uh, <laughs> craziness going on. And it's uh, good to be with everybody tonight on this Tuesday. Uh, wherever you are, we appreciate you joining us. And we got a lot to talk about. What a time to be a Longhorn fan. What a time to be a part of the uh, On Texas Football channel here on Inside Texas, the Longhorn live stream. Uh, you know, good times. Look at like your burnt orange shirt, Rod. You know, come early, be loud, wear burnt orange, man. I love yes, that. Sir. <laughs> good roll, looking good. Always representing. G-Man, how are you? I'm sure you're uh, on the phone about uh, 24-7 these days. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, this this phone right here, if I have to leave the uh, live stream for a couple of minutes, you'll know why, like I had to this morning, you just never know. Um, yeah, I mean, this morning during uh, coffee and football, I had to bounce out uh, because I got a call from Xavier Philsamy, and that's the pronunciation, not Phil same Philsamy, I've been saying it wrong, shockingly enough, the person that told me that should have known, uh, but uh, Philsamy is going to officially visit Texas December 15th through 17th. There was a report last week that it would be the 8th through 10th. Not the case. Sark's making in-home visits at Ryan Wingo's in-home visit this Saturday. So they're bumping uh, all official visits to the 15th through 17th. But that's where they wanted to get Phil Sami on campus anyways because then they'll be in bowl practices. And he can be around other commitments that will be there. Jordan Johnson Rebel will be in town. And then also this, guys. It goes dead December 18th. So – you have him in right before um, that three days before signing day. Uh, so Xavier Phil Sami is scheduled to be at Texas the 15th through 17th. Uh, that is Steve Sarkeesian and Blake Gideon in home visit this Thursday as well. Billy Napier, Austin Armstrong, the D coordinator and the new defensive backs coach. Some people believe uh, the Gators online on the on three site believe Will Harris of the Chargers is the front runner for that position. Uh, so we'll see if that becomes official uh, before the you know before the uh, NFL season there ends. But uh, so that's where we're at on Xavier Philsamy. Uh, Kobe Black still announcing on December 13th. Texas has a healthy lead there. Then there's portal madness. We've had a lot of questions about Andrew Makuba going into portal from Clemson. Obviously, we talked about it uh, this morning on the live stream when he went in. He played high school ball at Austin LBJ. His high school coach was Jamal Finner, who's the director of high school relationship at the University of Texas. Um, it, will Makuba come home? Uh, he's an Austin guy. Will he, he come home? He's ever, everybody's offering him right now. He's had a number of offers today. Um, then there's uh, Trey Moore, the edge kid out of uh, UTSA who had 14 sacks. He played at Smithson Valley in high school. Uh, 6'3", about 235, really good natural edge rusher. He goes in the portal today. We we know Texas has some interest. We're not sure the level of interest because there's going to be a lot. There's probably going to be a lot more guys going in the portal. What's it? Twelve hundred and fifty. That's a crazy number, guys. Twelve hundred fifty yeah. in forty eight hours in the portal. I mean, how many of those guys have? They're just jumping in with no clue. The majority mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. Well, no that's clue. what I was going to ask you because there's no guarantees, right? I mean, you're you're jumping into a pond and hoping you get a raft, right? I mean, that's really what I mean. Obviously, the, the top-end guys are going to have some options, but that's a lot. That's a big number uh, for uh, this early. Uh, obviously, uh, we'll see where this goes. But uh, Makuba's an interesting name, Rod. We saw him play high school football here in, in, at LBJ. Yeah. Uh, good player. We've seen him at Clemson. He, this is – safety is a need for Texas. Uh, Phil Samee, obviously. 
But uh, this has got to come in here and play at Texas pretty quick, it appears, um, if you could get Andrew Makubo on campus. And the Jamal Fenner, Jamal Fenner angle is very interesting because he is his high school football coach. He has to have a great connection there. Yeah, no, I mean, it is it is a position of need right now for Texas. I mean, when we talk about that Texas-Washington matchup, we're going to be talking a lot about the safeties. And so it'll be one of the places that Washington tries to exploit. Texas is trying to upgrade there. Derek Williams represents kind of that next generation of style safety, uh, safety that Texas wants, ideally. That's Xavier, is it Phil Semi? Uh, did I get it right? Phil Semi, to make sure I get it right there. Uh, yeah, uh, but and still talking about a guy like Andrew McCuba. Um, really productive uh, at the safety position. I'm going to go back and try to watch some film on him tonight because I know people are really excited about it. Uh, but, I mean, it, safety is a position, a, a prime position right now for Texas in a lot of ways. And you had Jalen Catalan uh, and uh, it was Xavier and Bryce as well hit the, the, the transfer report for Texas at that position too. So, I mean, just for a lot of different reasons right now, there's a lot of talk, a lot of discussion about the safety position um, and Texas obviously trying to upgrade there. Yeah, uh, Rick, Rick and Bjergi Bure, has a great question. Rod, do you think Phil Same, Phil Same, sorry, I'm going to keep saying Phil Same and Derek Williams, how do you think they could fit together? Oh, that's good. Um, that's good. Honestly, the, the, the thing I like about both of them is I think they're they're kind of interchangeable because of how versatile they're that they are at the safety position. I think both of them have coverage skills. I think both of them have kind of cornerback tendencies and some cornerback traits at the safety position which is what the, the which is what the Texas defensive coordinator and the Texas defensive coaches want they want some safety they can come down and play man-to-man coverage in that slot we've seen this year Texas doesn't have a lot of weaknesses on defense one of the places where they can be exploited is safeties in coverage they want safety that can hold up in coverage young Derek Williams is already your best coverage safety I think Phil me also can be uh, an elite coverage safety too um, I think for, for Derek Williams, he's just proven that he can come down the box and make those tackles in the open field and be an alley cat and run the alley. Um, I think for Phil Samee, that would probably be the a, a similar developmental track and a similar for him. That would be something he's got to acclimate and adapt to. I think coverage-wise, though, both of those guys immediately, just like Derek Williams, translate coverage skills immediately. I think Phil Samee's coverage skills would translate immediately and get him on the field. And here's the thing with Phil Samee, if Texas can flip him from Florida, uh, he's an early enrollee. So that would make 13 mm-hmm. early enrollees in this Texas class if they get that done. Actually, Kobe Black's an early enrollee, so they could end up with 14 or 15. Solomon Williams, guys, the edge out of Tampa, Carolwood Day, who made an official visit, was one time in Aggieline. Of course, that thing's kind of blown up. I'm not saying he can't end up at AM, but it, we'll see. More seems more like Texas Bama right now. If Texas makes a push for another edge, if they did, and I love Solomon Williams, if they did, another early enrollee. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Some people are asking about the portal receivers, the two Texas we know has interest in Deion Burks, the slot mm-hmm. receiver out of Purdue. Uh, and then uh, 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 Juice Wells out of South Carolina, originally from James Madison, was a college teammate and friend of Diamante Tucker Dorsey. Rod, we talked about those those guys on Talking Ball, but uh, yeah. just give your thoughts again tonight on those two guys. Uh, yeah, no, I we talked about this actually e, on the show this morning. Uh, Dion Burks is kind of the typical Sark receiver. He really does. Sark has a, a type of receiver he likes. He doesn't mind you being small-ish or slight-ish. If you're a speed demon, that's what Dion Burks is. But what I like about his game is for a little guy, small-ish guy, I say little guy, he's 5'11", about 190. But for a smallish guy, he has a pretty wide catch radius. 
<laughs> You'll see him on film diving and leaping for footballs. He's explosive out of his breaks, precision route runner. So that means not a lot of wasted movement uh, in his routes. Uh, Sark loves that. Sark is all about Sark is really hands on with the receivers. We know he likes a tight group of receivers in the rotation. That's because he's so hands on with those guys. Uh, he's a yak daddy, too. Sark's big about running to daylight. He wants to get the ball to receivers in stride so that they can always weaponize their speed with yak yardage. Yards after the catch, that's what he is with the ball in his hands. I love that about his game, too. And I've seen him targets to motion. I've seen him get the ball uh, as a guy who was in motion at the time of the snap or prior to the snap. Sark does a lot of targets to motion within his offense. As a matter of fact, against Oklahoma State, uh, there were nine such targets to motion in that game. Big part of his offense, he wants to get the ball to his speedy guys on the perimeter that way, almost give them an advantage, give them a running start, which is almost unfair. Dion Burks is one of those guys. So he fits. I love him. And even more giddy, I think I get about watching Juice Wells because Juice Wells, man, contested catch freak. Um, just a, a guy that turns a 50-50 ball into a 70-30 ball real quick, real strong hands, um, basically strong enough to out basically to, to, to beat any arm tackle after he gets the football, arm tackles and just throwing a shoulder in there don't work with this dude. Uh, you got to get a sturdy tackle on, wrap your arms around him. Um, he's one of those guys in the open field, and that's where he's dangerous. So yak daddy, but for a different reason. Yard attack the contact guy with a guy like Juice Wells. Goes up to get the football and attacks the football. Uh, also, I like the fact that he's great in the scramble drill. You'll see a lot of times when uh, Spencer Rattler was running for his life, looking for Juice Wells, he can just throw it up there. And that's that's when that 50-50 ball contested catchability comes into play. You ain't always got to be perfect. Just get it in his vicinity. That guy is likely going to come down with it, man. A lot to like about those, both of those guys. Game. Yeah. I said it to you this morning, but uh, Debo Samuel played at uh, South Carolina. Uh, you know, that's when you describe his scouting report in college, sounds similar, right? Tough runner, running back after the catch, uh, tough as hell. And then, uh, and then, uh, you know, the kid at Purdue kind of kind of sounds like uh, Xavier Worthy, just the super speed, but, uh, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, the long arms as well. Uh, but track guy, right? Running track uh, on the Purdue yeah. track team, or at least in high school coming out. Yeah. Uh, that's obviously what you're looking for. Hey, Jerry, as far as, the receiving core, we know they're going to going to lose after however this season ends. Um, you know, A.D. Mitchell's off to the NFL X-Man. J.T. Sanders likely. Uh, Jordan Whittington's out of it. But what about the current guys on campus? What have you heard about the DeAndre Moores, the Jonte Cooks, and how all this would intertwine uh, big picture? Rod talked about the tight group of receivers. Yeah, uh, Texas, obviously, they think Jonte Cook has a very bright future. They love the explosiveness of Ryan Niblett. DeAndre Moore's the consistent route runner. Uh, soft hands, sure hands, pass catcher, um, that he's not maybe going to be the big play guy, but he could be the most dependable of all of them. Uh, of course, we have, we'll see if all three of those guys stay. Um, uh, you know, that could depend on who does Texas take one or two guys in the portal because they're going to sign Ryan Wingo in two weeks, five-star receiver who's an outside receiver. Um, and as a guy that looked and, – and the high school version probably is very similar yeah. – to what you see with Juice Wells as a like fourth-year college player. I knew you were going there, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's some similarities. Wingo probably is a little faster. I mean, Wingo ran 10-7, 10-7-5 at 195, 200 pounds as a junior in high school. So and maybe Juice Wells with a little more vertical speed. Um, we'll see on that. But it'll be interesting to see if Texas takes one or two receivers out of the portal. We talked about it this morning on Coffee and Football, though. Here's the reality. is it, Sark said it. 
in his press conference, if you're not trying to get better, you're going backwards. Yeah. And that's where we're at in college football right now. Look, these guys, you have to compete. And here's the one thing. if Say if you brought in two portal receivers, you would know real quick the receivers on your roster, who's invested in development or who's going to walk out the door. And I actually think that's somewhat of a healthy place for a program like Texas to be in because those guys get challenged all the time. And who's into development and having just a little patience versus who's going to have no patience? Because the guys that have no patience, I think Texas is a healthy enough roster to where they're not going to miss those guys. And Isaiah Nair, I mean, I know he walked on senior. Or Well, what are we with him? Is he even a possibility a bit next year? Yeah, I, you know, we don't know on that. I, at least I don't know on that one. I, I tend to think he's a grad transfer after the spring. He's got to finish his spring semester. Yeah, makes sense. That's kind of where I'm at with that. But I can't say I 100% know that at this point in time. About uh, the quarterback position, Jerry. I mean, obviously Malik Murphy's one. People are watching. We haven't. We I mean the quarterback carousel is already running in a big way uh, from Columbus, Ohio to uh, Washington State to Duke. I mean, it's across the country. I uh, haven't seen a Malik Murphy. I know Texas fans are you know anxious about Arch Manning. What do we? Uh, what, what happens there with Quinn Ewers? You know, ninety percent. You know, coming back to Texas. I you know I think Arch. Well, first thing is Arch is happy at Texas. He's not going anywhere. Um, for the people that were wondering that, uh, he's happy at Texas. Malik Murphy, we'll see. I mean, look, the reality is if Quinn comes back, then it doesn't make a lot of a lot of sense for Malik to stay in one regard. It's, at that point in time, you're like, okay, you know, your clock's already running. Uh, Arch has a red shirt this year. Malik's clock's already running. So it, are you going to sit another year and then get in a competition, which you probably aren't going to be favored to win? So that's that's the question there is how much sense would that make if Quinn if that ten percent hit and he goes pro then obviously look if you're Malik you stay there and compete for the job where are you going to go that's a better opportunity in Texas if you can win the job I would I don't think he'll win the job but I'm saying from a competitor standpoint you stay in there and try to win that job uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens Trey Owens is a midterm enrollee as well so. Uh, he'll be on campus, and you have KJ Lacey in 2025. I'm interested to see how it plays out. I think Quinn, what Quinn ultimately does, will kind of tell the story on where this happens. Well, let me ask you, because I know you guys have had a lot of conversations since Sunday, uh, coffee and football. and uh, But for, for me and for the audience that maybe had missed, how did making the Final Four, how did make you know, being the three seed and end, how did it change any of this in your mind or what you've heard from people with on that within that roster? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think the one thing is, and it's Sark is gonna as as long as guys keep doing their thing, uh, cl- classes, right, practices, meetings, everything they're supposed to do as a team uh, teammate of the University of Texas football. If those guys are in the portal, he's given them the uh, the ability to stay and play in the national semifinal game, which I think is smart. Um, I, I think that's smart. But inside, I think, look, I've heard nothing but positive things, right? I mean, the guys that go, uh, that hit the portal, look, maybe they just they don't have a, a path to the field, right? And that's going to happen when you have a very talented roster or some may not have the patience. I think it's more not the path with guys that jump in now. Uh, maybe one guy, if he jumps in, I would say he doesn't have the patience, um, but it would still kind of be understandable. But I've heard nothing but uh, positive things uh, right now. There's so much positive momentum at Texas. It's 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 been a long time. Rod, what's your thought on that? I mean, Sark's uh, you know 
you know, standing opinion on this is if you enter the portal, you're gone. You know, we understand it. We're not going to block you. But with these circumstances, they're unique. Um, you know, it's it's a weird window of a month and uh, guys want to put their name out there and be able to be contacted. But at the same time, they'd also like to play for a national championship and kind of sounds like Sark is kind of hedging that. And as a player, uh, does that, you know, you run the risk of the roster or is it just understandable that this is just the way it is. Those guys want to play for a championship, but know that beyond early January, their future might be elsewhere. As long as they stay invested, as Jerry said. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think it's deliberate, of course, by Sark, eh? He's, you know, going out there publicly and stated once you're in the portal, um, you're no longer a part of this team. Uh, he welcomes guys to pursue what's best for them. Um, but he stayed that publicly. And we know Tom Herman had a different philosophy about the portal, right? You can go into the portal, come back. We saw several guys do that with uh, Tom Herman. So he had a different philosophy. No, I'm not judging one's better than the other. But I think for Sark, he only wants guys on this team who want to be here. This is part of him building you know this culture specific to the uh the, the circumstance in the community at the University of Texas and the types of athletes that you know he has the luxury of recruiting at the University of Texas and he's trying to make it where it's a, it's very exclusive right like hey man if you don't want to be here there's a ton of guys I got a list of guys that yeah. want that roster spot and they're really good players matter of fact they're actually better than you. I got some guys there that are better than you that want their roster spot. So go right ahead, do what's best for you. Um, and but if you want to be here competing for championships, it's almost symbolic, right? You want to be here competing for championships, then you're in. But if you're not in, then go ahead. And well, but once you're out, you're out. We don't you don't get well, to straddle the fence. But, but, but Jerry, let me make sure I'm understanding. So for for you know, Sark is of the opinion now, uh, at least for this month, that if you're in the portal, like Jalen Catalan. Yeah. Use him as an example that if he stays in school, shows up, practices hard, does his work, um, he can explore it. But you may need Jalen Catalan to beat Washington at That's the end right. of the day. You know, the, 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 that to me, that and I understand what Rod's saying because Sark did say that. He has said it. But it sounds like maybe he's not, I want to say waffling. He's being uh, judicious with what this month is. Uh, I can use Jalen Catalan in that game and maybe in these games, even if he may not be here beyond these games. I mean, that is, you know, you're walking a line there, but at the same time, you got to do what's good for you now, but understand what might be good for the player beyond January 8th. We, we've been talking about this is the craziest part of college football to me nowadays, guys. Is it's not a decent, an early signing period, which makes no sense with uh, with coaching changes. It's not the portal. It's if you're in the playoffs, you're going to have guys possibly leave a team that's fighting for a national championship. <laughs> That is crazy to me that that's where we're at in college football. Yep. That you could have six to eight guys say, you know, I'm good. I, I'm good. I'm, I'm out. I mean, like, I, and but here's the reality. The portal window closes January 2nd. You can't wait. Exactly. You can't yeah. wait. So that's just how crazy of a place we're in in college football. That these teams could have multiple guys say, I, I, I got to go. I want to go play. And they leave a team that could win a ring. <laughs> Could be yeah. doing snow angels in the confetti in Houston in 37 days. Yeah. It's crazy where we're at in college football to me. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to uh to follow this and how this goes because Rod, you've uh, already started to break the Washington tape. They could use a guy like Jalen Catalan oh. in the uh in the game against Washington if he gets healthy. I mean, he's uh you know, safety's gonna be a premium. Derek Williams had his appeal declined. I mean, he's gonna have to be suspended. For the first half of that game, mm-hmm. you know, Kalen DeBoer, you know, when they get you know deep into this, they're going to attack the Texas safeties with 
three NFL receivers, uh, all hands on deck would be helpful here. Oh, yeah. Man, there's no doubt. I mean, you bring up a really good point. I, it'll be interesting to see if Sark entertains it, if, that's, uh, if it's a possibility for Sark. I think Sark will be pretty you know, steadfast yeah. in his commitment to the culture. Bigger uh, picture. Yeah, uh, I think he will. Um, and he'll believe in, you know, he's been rotating a lot of guys at safety. They believe in their group of safeties, even though we've criticized some of the rotations and, uh, and obviously them going wholesale changes on defense at times. Uh, but that's why they've been playing so many guys. So they have Keaton Crawford. They got uh, Michael Taft. They got Taft there. They got Jaron Thompson out there. So they get Derek Williams back. Uh, so they got a group of safeties that they like, but this will be the biggest challenge. There's no question. Uh, a couple things I want to hit on. Uh, we've had some questions about Amari Abor from Duncanville from Ohio State in the portal. Texas didn't push for him in high school. I don't think expect them to push for Amari Abor. I think they're going to go if they, they want a disruptor out of the portal, if they can find the right guy, he's going to have to be a guy that's already been productive and is a proven. Texas isn't going no for project. guys that aren't productive and haven't been productive. The other thing, somebody asked about Nicholas Martin, the uh, stud linebacker from Oklahoma State. Where was he rated coming out of high school? I was actually part of national rankings at on three at the time, and we had him in the top 200 in the country. And he, I think he was right on that four-star, low four-star guy. We thought very highly of him because that dude is an instinctive football player. He played running back. He played linebacker. Um, but why the Blue Bloods didn't offer him, he was about six foot, 192, 193 pounds uh, coming out of high school. I mean, so he's a guy who's put on enough weight to where he's 215 pounds now. He was a guy that I think – you know, those SEC schools didn't see that linebacker size that they like in the SEC. Um, I, I think he can play in the SEC. That dude can flat out run. You know who he reminds me of, guys? Um, Rod, I think we might have talked about him on a recruiting uh, uh, one of our shows on Talking Ball. There's a linebacker at Summer Creek named Xavier Atkins that's committed to LSU. Hmm. And on tape, on senior tape, maybe the fastest linebacker from seed ball to ball in the wow. country. Hmm. In wow. the country. He is a freaking blur. Um, so that's a guy right there that kind of reminds me of Nicholas Martin and maybe a tick faster at the same age. So, But that's the deal on Nicholas Martin. Hey, uh, Jerry, wide receiver, we talked about. Uh, safety with Makuba. Yeah. Quarterback you went through. Any other positions you feel like Texas will really target? Yeah, so I, I think uh, tight end, if it's a stretch the field tight end. You know, Gunnar Helm is tremendous at what, what he does in that short and intermediate passing game. But if they find somebody who can get it down the field, I think they're going to look at that. You're not going to be a JT Sanders-level player. Rock and talk to this, but mm -hmm. the threat of it, what yeah. that does to help mm -hmm. open up the offense. You don't have to be JT Sanders, but you, if you're a threat and you're actually a guy that maybe you catch 20 passes, but you're mm -hmm. a threat and defensive coordinators say, okay, this guy can get it down the sink. This guy yeah. can do something. He can stress our defense. I think that's what they're looking for. Uh, then I think a disruptor, whether that's a D tackle, whether that's a defense edge player, I think if they can find a disruptor, linebacker possible, safety likely, punter possible to likely. Hey, Rod, you know uh, Sark's affinity for tight ends in his offense, right? It's a, it's a stated fact that that's an important position to him. And JT Sanders, uh, he's kind of the uh, the cheat code for everything that they do. He's going to be moving on to the NFL. That's that's hard to find in a five star kind of player. But at the same time, to his point, just the threat of having somebody like that on the field. Yeah, he's um, he, he stated that it's the second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. Uh, and honestly, this is the I think with JT Sanders, it's really one of the first times that I have seen him 
try to fully realize <laughs> the uh, the the weaponization of the tight end, right? Because I, I think with JT Sanders, he's a great muse, right? He's he's got all the inspiration. He's a five tool athlete. He's a five star athlete that can do anything at the tight end position that you need him to do. So you can ask him to be a vertical threat downfield. You can ask him to be a capable blocker. You can ask him to run the underneath routes. You can ask him to run screens, right? And he could be a guy who's great uh, after the catch. So I think because of the ver- the variety and the skill set of J. T. Sanders, it has inspired Sark from the film that I've watched that he is weaponizing the tight end more than he's really ever done in any of his offenses, um, even with, at the time at Bama. But I think it's because of the unique skill set. Now, I will say this when he is inspired, when Sark's, you know, he got his creative juices flowing as a result of a muse like a Bijan Robinson or a Rojo, he will start to come up with these concepts and, and stack them. Um, and then I think he actually puts them in his repertoire. 21 personnel is the prime example of that, the pony package, right? When he had Bijan and Rojo, he was running a lot of two-back sets, made perfect sense while you're running two-back sets. And Texas had their highest yards per attempt, um, highest yards per play, um, highest explosive play rate of any personnel package out of two two-back sets. And it made perfect sense, Rojo and Bijan on the field at the same time, and even a little sprinkle of Keelan Robinson in there. But with Rojo and Bijan gone, he has still utilized the concepts and the plays and the personal groups and that go-go, right? The go-go offense that he got from Brendan Marion, which is a two-tailback offense with a West Coast passing game and triple option run game. He has still used those this season. And the 21 personnel package, two tailbacks, is still your best personnel grouping yards per attempt, yards per play, and explosive play rate. So I think he can do the same thing with the tight end, getting to Jerry's point. You ain't gotta you ain't gonna find a JT Sanders in the transfer report anyway. But you ain't even gotta have that that type of athlete at tight end because it's so rare, but you can still use the concepts that schemed him open and that was able to weaponize his skill set with other players who maybe they're not a five-tool tight end. He's a three-tool tight end, but you can still weaponize. Hey, uh, questions, send them in, and uh, we'll get to them as we go here. I want to tell you the Energy Texas is bringing to tonight's Tuesday night live stream, the Longhorn live stream. Uh, it's by, Tex- or in te- by Texans for Texans. Uh, right here in the great state, becomes your energy provider. Uh, when Energy Texas does, you're, you're calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans right here, uh, proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder to be fighting the little guy or for you, the little guy, against big power. That's Energy Texas right there. You see the website, see the phone number, 855-461-1129, Energy Texas, Texas Electricity done right. Thanks so much for them to be in a partner with us on the Longhorn live stream tonight, talking all things portal, all things uh, college football playoff. Uh, who's going to win the Heisman Trophy, guys, come Saturday? Uh, hold on. I'll, I'll get to that. I want to answer one other thing. Jaleel Skinner, it. we've had a lot of questions about the Miami tight end uh, in the portal. And I think people are asking because Texas was a top three for him coming out of high mm-hmm. school in South Carolina. He hasn't been a super productive player. Ten catches for 135 yards or 138 yards in two seasons at Miami. I know he's been injured a little bit. I think I think Texas may go for a more productive tight end, a more proven guy. I could be wrong. That's where I come out. Somebody, a lot of people ask about Patrick Payton of FSU who went in the portal. Very good outside backer edge player. I, I, we'll see what happens there. Not out of the question he returns. I think that's uh, I think that's very much NIL there. Well, is it, is uh, it go ahead. Well, I was going to follow up on that. It, it sounds like I mean, listening to you, and it makes sense. Uh, and we saw with A.D. Mitchell, we've seen it with uh, you know other guys in the portal. They're they're not just to take a guy to, to take a guy. They're going to take oh. a guy that has been productive on the football field right. and yep. made plays. 
Look, Texas is in in the great position. They're a blue blood in the college football playoff. Uh, A.D. Mitchell left the best program in college football and came to Texas and had his best season, and he's in the playoff once again. I mean, like, I mean, this is just whether it's your punter who was at Stanford punting in the thick air out there, he's in the college football playoff. I mean, this is like Trill Carter transferred from Minnesota. Has he had as many snaps? No. Has he put up the stats? No, he did have a hurt left knee at the beginning of the year. He's in the college football playoff. I mean, there's a uh, Texas is going to get a lot of mileage out of this uh, because they're about to have guys who were three stars developed going the draft. You're going to have your five star, four stars going the draft, and then you're going to have a couple of portal guys. Uh, you know, and AD Mitchell could be a second round pick, and Ryan Sanborn will probably be an uh, uh, undrafted free agent at camp. I mean, they're going to have nine or ten guys probably in camps, maybe eleven after the season, and some were three stars, some were four stars, maybe a five-star, and some are portal guys. I mean, that is a great, great position to be in if you're Texas. They're only going to go after guys who they think are NFL-level players in the portal, wow. estimation, or very good culture fits that are fringe there. Yeah. Uh, now to the Heisman, Rod. Who's going to win it? Jerry, who's going to win? Is it Jaden Daniels at uh, LSU? The uh, Lamar Jackson kind of season three losses, but still really, really good. Yeah, I think it's Jaden Daniels. I think the the stats out there just they're just too uh, eye popping and mind blowing. It's one of those years for the Heisman, even though he's got three losses. Uh, I think if you throw it out there to Michael Penix, he is the you know the the, sort of the best player on the best team of that group that's up there of the candidates. But man, I think Jaden Daniels is just too strong. The stats are just way too strong. Uh, it, it'd be a, you know, that'd be the, that'd be the last thing FSU fans want is Jaden Daniels to win the Heisman. They beat, they beat LSU soundly. Then they'd go off again on, uh, on uh, warchamp.com <laughs> and social media. We really got screwed. We the Heisman trophy winner had his worst game of the year against him. Huh. <laughs> I mean, just, they're just going to be burning everything in front yard. Too. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think Rod's right, but we got to be different. I'm going to go with Penix. No, I would. I mean, if, if I had a vote, it'd be Penix. Just, uh, but it's hard to overcome those stats. I mean, it, it's the same position, and his stats are are a lot better. But uh, playing for Natty, uh, leading your team to big wins, and uh, making huge throws in huge spots, I think matters to me. I'd also say on the uh, the FSU part, I did find it uh, humorous on the Pat McAfee show today that uh, Aaron Rodgers oh, continued yeah. his UT grudge. He went uh, horns he, down, right? He did horns down. He did the this, this goes back to 04 and Cal Berkeley and Mac Brown. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he was on record saying he, you know, he, he was mad that Florida State didn't get in. He thought Texas should have been out, and he did the whole horns down thing. I mean, that, that thing lives 20 years later. Just, just a coincidence, but I, I was I texted uh we were in a text thread with uh, Drew Kelson earlier, and I said I was watching the 05 series today, and who appeared on that? Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny that I just had I wanted to watch that kind of look at that team, kind of look at what Mac was saying before the game, because, you know, sometimes you forget those things. Um, so I went back and watched that series uh, that I had recorded just to see what Mac was saying, see what some of the players were saying, just uh, just to get it back fresh in my mind. Uh, but then you saw Aaron Rodgers on there. I thought it was hilarious. Well, I mean, I, I remember it vividly. I mean, uh, you know, Texas was just turning that national championship corner and uh, you kind of understood it because Aaron Rodgers and Cal had never, they hadn't been to the Rose Bowl in decades, yeah. right? And they had a chance and that would have been huge. And, you know, Mac Brown was politicking and um, for Texas, which you should do, right? That's, that's yeah, your job. That's your job. 
uh, and it worked out and they played Michigan. But you could understand from from Berkeley that, that Aaron Rodgers and Cal fans were, were upset. They thought they were the, the, the rightful team. And then, of course, they went and got beat by Texas Tech yeah, in the Holiday exactly. Bowl. <laughs> they didn't even back it up. And Texas, of course, won the Rose Bowl uh, with the win over Michigan on the, on the last second kick. But, you know, it, it's funny. Here we are having these same debates 20 years later. And Aaron Rodgers, he'll never forget it. He'll never like Texas or Mac Brown. No. That's obvious. And that's, that's good. That's what you like Petty Rod. I mean, let it live. Let the receipt live. It's a beautiful thing, man. I embrace it. Uh, Texas, you, you got to embrace the hate. Uh, the, at this point, not the brand is getting back to that yeah. the standard that it should be. Oh, man, you got the horns down. Guys, y'all got – Y'all have to stop letting that bother you. If the horns downs bother you at this I point, love it. you don't understand. Yeah, exactly, guys. It is the best. It's the best free media. It's the best free advertising in college football today. Just to your point, Rod, oh, Aaron Rodgers today. Thank he's you. at home with his, I guess, toward Achilles. I guess he's coming back. That's the most miraculous recovery of all time. But, uh, you know, he's going horn down, horns down on McAfee show. That's the best thing ever for Texas. That's why they committed to put Texas in. Hall of Fame NFL quarterback sitting there doing this on Pat McAfee show. That's the best advertisement for Texas ever. It's awesome. Yeah. That's, that, by that's the why the committee put them in because they're good. The way, Texas yeah, is a great so, football character. Somebody you know said from an ESPN article today, Aaron, we polled college fans and asked them who their biggest rival was. This is great. This goes to what you're saying, Rod. This is awesome. Yeah, Texas has 11 different teams identifying themselves as a rival, by far the most in the country. That's uh, why there's exactly so many holes right. down everywhere. Well, I mean, you know that. what, though? I mean, and I think the the uh, the bigger marketing branding picture, to Rod's point about free branding and free marketing, is no one else has that. No one else has it, right? Uh, you could argue that, that in college, I mean, there are some, some iconic brands in marketing. The Nike swoosh immediately identifiable but in college sports the bevo is and the horns you know horns up is you know yes. it's unique because it, you know who else gets that hate like, if you want to say i hate michigan how do you do that or you want to say i hate yeah. Ohio notre State or notre dame how do you actually do that the texas brand is so easily identifiable either way yep. it's so unique that way awesome it makes it uh it, you know it's gold i mean it's I, gold L type yeah. said it best. Embrace the hate. Yeah, man, yeah. you have to do it. I, I, I just pulled up uh, ESPN's this Twitter account just on ESPN's Twitter, and I mean, even even they had it up there. The Aaron Rodgers thing, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers this thing. Uh, you know, what I mean? like they had, it's one of their front and center pages. So it's to me, it's like it's great marketing and advertising, and you're gonna see it so much in the SEC, guys. Yeah. So don't let it bother you. You should. It's a point of pride. As, as he broke down for you, it's so unique. Everybody knows what it means. Hey, look, if any if any SEC fans are on their game, they're going to start a horns down YouTube channel if they're on their game. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right about that. And that'll be beautiful. Well, and that's yeah. you know, I hate to give away a good idea to people, but somebody somebody could should run with that. That's in the SEC. Well, you know, it's funny. I've always felt like this uh, for Texas in the Big Twelve, especially when A and M and Nebraska uh, left. Arkansas left. I mean, Texas was just such a huge brand in a, you know, a small pool of smaller schools. That's not, I'm not, no, no slight to the rest, but we know what they are going to be left with. Oklahoma being the only, you know, blue blood or big brand left with them. They're going into a, a pool of big brands, but yes. this still is unique to the next, next phase. Uh, and I, that's what I would say to the, to the Longhorn live stream audience, embrace it, uh, run with it. 
It's still going to be unique. And Sark can take what we've talked about this, the embrace the hate this year and take it into the S into the SEC. I mean, because it can oh, yeah. become kind of the moniker. Hey, no one likes you. That's good. You know, you're you're you know, your horns down, you're Texas. Uh, you know, the, 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 you can t- I mean you can hear it from the players. That's palpable for them. It's something that like this this year has been really um, you know, I, I think encouraging for Texas because they've turned a corner where when people like Joey McGuire or Brett Yormark or Matt or the, the offensive lineman at Iowa State, when they question the culture, when they when they poke the bear, as Sark says, this team is it's taking it personal. Yeah, it, yeah. it bothers them because they do have a good culture. They've shown that. Uh, what was true in the past is no longer true. I think Sark can can build on that into the Final Four and into the into next you know the next decade. That you know, hey, play the villain. That's okay. Uh, play play the team no one likes. That's good. Uh, players like to play for that team, Rod. They, they they like to be the Raiders, right? They like to be the team yeah. that uh, has all the rivals. That's a good thing, I believe. Yeah. No, I think it's a it's a, it's a great thing and. Anything on the Pat, and Pat McAfee loves the Longhorns. He's got yeah, he like a weird, right? Am I, I'm not mad. Yeah, he, he, Chris, the Chris Beard thing hurt him as much as it did any Texas fan. That's true. But he, he was Texas over Alabama boys. That's yeah. true. I remember he picked Texas over Alabama. Like he's been big into yes. the kind of the Texas movement yes. lately. And you know, hey man, like it's when Texas becomes the it school again, which is starting to happen. The it cool happened. School. It, it happened. School, yes, right? it happened when I was a teenager. Yep. And Texas, trust me, Texas was not a cool school when I was 17 uh, years old. Like, they were not. Like, they weren't. Actually, the Aggies were considered more of a cooler brand than the Longhorns at the time. But they came in with a young, you know, brash Mac Brown who was who was fantastic. He just he kind of got it. He understood the BBs had to be in the box. And they had Ricky. And Ricky was a rebel with the cause. And Ricky did a – he did a – I think he was a big part of turning Texas back into an it school yep. for – Think about for young teenagers, you know, you know, Texas was very uh, kind of old school and, you know, they, you know, we, we know that the reputation, right? The, the, the hardy toity kind of reputation of Texas, but at the time he was not that he was everything but that, right? He was against the grain. He was kind of the, like I said, the rebel with the cause. He was the counterculture guy. And it just, it, it worked really well with Mac Brown's culture that he was building. And it made Texas the it school again. And then I remember when Mac knew that, when Mac started recruiting us, he kept saying, guys, I know Reebok's not cool. We're going to Nike. Don't worry about it. I know yeah. Nike's what you want. He's going to your house and tell you, like, don't worry, we ain't wearing Reebok. Because I think people were, like, negatively recruiting Texas. Oh, it's Reebok. He's like, no, we won't be in it for long. We're going to Nike as soon as we get a chance. Because he knew Nike was what? Cool. Yeah, you know, it was, it, 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 and he he used the Ricky Williams, you know, rebel with a cause counterculture thing. He used it. He knew he was like, nah, this guy's cool. One thing about Ricky, he's cool. Whatever you want to say about him, like, man, I don't know about Ricky and his this and that and his, his career and his choices. Out because like, you can say what you want. Everybody knows Ricky Williams has always been cool. Still is real cool. All right, that's why the circles that he's in. All right, and there are certain circles that he walks in that nobody else is in. And everybody knows Ricky. He, he transcends sports to yeah. pop culture. That's what makes him cool. That's what makes Dion cool. And Mac Brown rode that wave. And Sark's got some of that cool. The shoes that he wears. You know, his wife is a fashionista. The way he dresses. He's got some of that cool. Tupac's his favorite artist. He's got the cool factor with the young kids. They like that about Sark. And I do think he's turning Texas into being the it school again with the cool factor. Cool, cool is currency in recruiting, baby. That's it. And it's currency. Hey, look, <laughs> what, what, th- think about Oregon. I mean, the 
older fan base thinks the uniforms are hideous. The yeah. high school kids think it's the best. The, the uniforms are the best in college football. I, whenever <laughs> I go interview kids, it hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Like Oregon's like a cool school to kids. Texas is now a cool school again, and it's been a battle to get back there after you lost it um, because the SEC became cool everything. And yeah. Texas yeah. sitting out well, here. You know what? It's funny because uh, covering it like I have, you know, close as I have. Texas almost became like rooting for like Bank of America or Citibank or something. It was this big corporation with its own network and uh, they weren't cool. And they seemed, you know, even here in Austin, they just seemed like, how do you root for the credit card company? I don't want to root for them. I want to root for something cool. It does feel like it's turning back to, to being cool. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Sark and, you know, L'Oreal and the, the close McConaughey is cool. Right. And Pat McAfee is a Texas guy. That's cool. Yeah. And even yeah. Aaron Rodgers, who, most people don't like doing the horns down. That's cool. I mean, you're at least he's thinking about you. At least he's in you're up in his head. That's that's a good thing. I mean, all these things are are positive because it makes it tangible to young people. I, I want to yeah, say this. I want to say this because the guy will never get enough credit. And I know he's a teammate and a friend of Rod. And I've got I got a point where I'm going to go with this. Chris Sims will never get enough credit for Texas fans because of the Colorado game. How big he was in reestablishing the Texas brand. Yep. For Matt Brown. He was the Gatorade Offensive Player of the Year who was committed to Phil Fulmer because Phil wanted him to go there, which was probably smart at the time. And he flipped to Texas. And Texas had the number one recruiting class in the country. And he was the Offensive Gatorade Player of the Year and the son of mm-hmm. Phil Sims, two time Super Bowl champion, broadcaster, all that. Rod, Roy, BJ, BJ, and Sloan. I mean, you just think think about Peyton Manning didn't win the national championship at Tennessee, but he had a hand in recruiting 85% of those guys. Mm-hmm. He that raised Tennessee's level with kids. And there people looked at Tennessee different when Peyton Manning's Peyton Manning went to Tennessee. And and my point on this is this, and I'm gonna take it to this. Arch Manning, people have no idea how big that's gonna be. They won't know until a decade down the road, in my opinion. Trey Johnson, the five-star number four basketball player in the country, a guy who will be a lottery pick one day. When he came on his late August official visit, he went. He wanted to go to the football facility because he likes football. He spent 30 minutes with Steve Sarkeesian. He had that photo with Arch Manning that I posted on social media. You think he would have gone over there if Texas was five and seven? No. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> There's well, my we'll answer. Just, hell no. Hell no. That's good stuff right there, yeah, guys. And, and, yeah. some- and I'm glad you brought it up real quick. Just put a little the bow on it. I'm glad you brought up the Chris Sims thing because that was also a part of the cool factor in, in flipping it around from Mac when he flipped him. The flip was big. The flip was big. That was big news because, guys, back in the day, this is like the start of the internet age, all right? When you would type UT into search engines back in the day, Tennessee would come up. Yeah. I BS you not. It was, we, we used to do it back in the day. Now, of course, I mean, you type in UT, you get Texas, right? Uh, now that, but that's the, that's, the, that's crazy. But back in the day, right? Early on in the internet era. And that basically, I don't even say Sims was a part of turning that around, but that flip did show that Texas was the it program. Yeah. Following where the Mannings went and Tennessee at the time would won a national title. That's you know that was considered oh man he's going there because why yeah it's, it's pretty obvious why he's going there ain't it but Texas was a surprise and when he when he flipped and by the way Tim Brewster told me it was going to happen the whole time so shout out <laughs> to Tim Brewster <laughs> I think the currency is cool 
Jerry is right about that. It was a celebrity endorsement. And that's yeah, what yeah. the that's what the Manning uh, commitment was. It was a celebrity endorsement from the first family of football. It's a it's one thing to get a celebrity endorsement from the Sims family, but from the first family of football deciding, no, 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 Texas is the place. Well, especially when that, especially when that family is saying, you know, if that's good enough for Arch, like if, if Archie Manning is saying that's good enough for my grandson, uh, for the education, which they talk about all the time, the business school, uh, that impacts, you know. Tenfold that, that that funnels down, not just to the cool factor, the yeah. it factor, but parents are like, oh, wow, uh, they, they like Sark. Oh, that's kind of neat. I like that if they're on the fence with any of it. And I'll say this and then we'll get to some super chats because I know Matt has a bunch of them back there. But Rod, I need you to say this to our Longhorn live stream viewers tonight. You've told me this and it blew me away that Chris Sims has never been back to Austin since he left. I think that is sad. sad. It hurts my heart yeah. that uh, one of your good friends uh, who as you guys just talked about eloquently about what he meant to Texas football had a bad game in the big 12 championship game in 01. We all saw it, but he, he won't come back to Austin because it, it left such scars. That's, that's not right. I mean, at the end of the day, we can't change it now, but hope Longhorn fans realize that and would maybe reach out to Sims and let him know. Cause I think it's uh, he was a real good player at Texas. I covered him. You were played with him, Rod. Uh, oh, yeah. That's tough that he won't even come back here because he doesn't have good feelings. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's like a personal or anything. I just think that, yeah, I mean, you go back somewhere where you are beloved and, and people obviously have affection for you. And I don't think he's ever felt that. I mean, I was there with him when he got his tires slashed and he had to change his phone number. He was getting death threats and, you know, I mean, people egged his car and all. Because I was, I was there for it. I witnessed. I saw the ugly side of Logan fan. I love y'all. <laughs> y'all still family are we still family but i saw the ugly side of it and there's an ugly side of it and he understood that that's the beauty because he was a, he was from a family of professional right football players so he understood it. it it came with the territory uh but still i think it has affected and i would love for i think john bianca john bianca's great he's good he's great at his job um and he does a really good job of staying in touch with guys so i'm sure he's in touch with sim still uh, i would love for them to honor him in a way um you know in the you know hall the, what, the Longhorn Hall of Honor or whatever it is, I don't know if they have. They should, and they should invite him back to do it. He's work. I mean, he's he's definitely got enough records and accomplished enough to do that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, good stuff. Hey Jerry, let's get to some two super chats and some questions. What does the schedule look like for the team? Practices, rest, hook them. Uh, it's probably a good schedule. I heard from Sark. He laid it out. I mean, they've got some time um, to kind of decompress, get yeah. get grades, get school. And they don't really start practice until the 15th and then some time for Christmas. And then, you know, they'll get, you know, full right after Christmas, full bore into the game plan. 
for Washington. What's your what's your what's your read on that, Jerry, of how they go about the next uh, three, three weeks, three and a half weeks? Yeah. So the interesting thing we were talking about, uh, Phil, San, Phil Samee earlier. So he's making that official visit, Phil Samee, December 15th through 17th. Part of that is because Texas will be back on the practice field then, right? Um, so that that is a kind of a great time as far as knowing the timeline for Texas. This week, uh, obviously a decompress, get healthy week, uh, got finals, everything going on. Sark's on the road recruiting. The staff's on the road recruiting. I mean, these guys are spread out around the country. Kyle Flood's been in California. Uh, Tashar Choice, uh, I, we think he's been out in Arizona. He's going to meet with uh, Jarrett Gibson Thursday at IMG. Uh, Bo Davis is seeing DeAndre Robinson tomorrow. He was in Louisiana yesterday. He's going to see Terrence Hebler, uh, Hibbler, sorry, on Thursday. Um, so, I mean, uh, Starks making an in-home visit with Ryan Wingo this Saturday. So this staff is out on the road. Jeff Banks was with Jordan Washington last night. I think A.J. Milwee's at Trey Owens tomorrow night. So this staff's around the country in recruiting right now. I mean, what, we're 15 days from National Signing Day. Then you have the portal being open. So that that's kind of what they have going now, which is a lot. I actually think if you're in the college football playoff, I can't imagine a more busy month for a college coaching staff than December because you have high school recruiting. You have signing day. You have portal open in December 4th. You have your own exit interviews with your guys, and some of those guys are going to leave. Then you're prepping. Then you have all that media coming up. There's tons of media coming up for Steve Sarkeesian and this Texas team. Uh, so that gives a little bit, but that December 15th, 16th weekend, they're going to be on the field practicing because that is when Phil Samee's coming in. Jordan Johnson Rebel, uh, some of those guys will be there because they graduate from IMG December 14th. So that's kind of a glimpse. It's a busy, busy schedule. Hey, Rod, it feels like uh, Tory Becton, the strength conditioning coach, will kind of take control here the next 10 days, 11 days, make sure these guys stay in good shape, get through their finals while everyone's running around. But, you know, you got to keep everybody in good shape. But it's also probably good to, to get mentally away for a little bit, but then come back. Sark did say when they come back, uh, you know, for those practices around the 15th before Christmas, uh, the, even like the bye week, there'll be a lot of work for the for the, for the the twos and the threes, uh, you know, and then Christmas break and then come back and really hit hard the intense practices ahead of the game with Washington, right? Game plan installed, those kind of things. I mean, that's – you know, yeah, and you said it this morning. You can't install the game plan too early, or no. else it becomes mundane. And, and you want stale. that to be fresh and peaking on Jan one. Yeah, it gets a little stale for the guys if you install it too early. And like, I mean, you just mentioned it. They'll get a lot of work for the young guys. This is almost a since a spring practice, which is spring, basically spring football toward the end of the season. So you do get a little extended time to get the young guys some reps. Also get your frontline guys some rest <laughs> so that their bodies can, you know, get recover um, and you can try to get to 100% as you can. Um, you'll probably be as healthy as you've been since the early part of the season. Um, but also I think a big part of it when you have this extra time, you can work on some fundamentals. Now you can't totally you know overhaul your technique and correct all those uh issues that you may have but let's say texas uh they know they got to deal with a lot of deep balls right you're dealing with the number one deep ball quarterback in the country and you've had some issues defending deep balls uh you actually got some time to work on 
specific tasks and specific skills uh, that may relate to the bowl game that you're like, oh man, we gotta, we gotta, if it's tackling, you know, it can be something simple like that, whatever it may be. Uh, you've got some time now to work on that during the season. It's hard to work on technique and fundamentals. So focused on week to week game planning, winning games, uh, you know, playing, uh, you know, uh, studying your opponent, winning the chess match within the game. You really don't have time to work on technique and fundamentals. There's not enough time in the day as a student athlete, but now you do have some time because school's going to slow down for you. You'll be done with school. You got some family obligations, but you can even do that on your own time. You can go back and talk watching some film. All right, on yourself and some of the issues you may have that technique-wise, and you can clean up some of this. Stuff. I bet you Dave Barron's already on it, <laughs> watching film. <laughs> his Oklahoma State performance going. All right, how did they get me? They obviously game plan for me specifically. What did they do? So you can do a lot of that uh, kind of self scouting. This is a great time for self scouting before you play your opponent. You know they're going to go after your weaknesses, and you by now after a whole season of it, everybody knows what their weaknesses are. You know you've they've, you've been attacked at them, you've been exploited with them. People know what they are, and at this point, you have a chance to to try to remedy some of those things. Uh, all right, uh, how about this, Jerry Rod? How do you balance development of younger players and staying experienced? Yeah, I think that's the 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 toughest task nowadays. Second toughest task nowadays for college football staff. The number one uh, toughest task is good culture because in the NIL day and age, it's really tested. Because some kids or young kids that come in that haven't done anything on the field come in with nice NIL, and if you're an older player, that's always what people are going to ba battle, especially early in this NIL day and age, uh, because there's not a balance there at all. That's number one. Two, I think, is developing those younger guys while staying experienced. Because if you're a blue blood, now that's a discussion, Ashton, about blue bloods, how many blue bloods are there? I'm, I'm trying to keep up over here. Um, if you're a blue blood, you have zero excuse for not being an experienced team. I say the same mm -hmm. thing in basketball as I say in football. Zero excuse. If you're an inexperienced team, that you're just dabbo. You don't believe in the portal, and that's not the way to go. Um, not, not in stay if you're not, it's like Sark said, if you're not getting better, you're falling behind. And the portal allows you to keep getting better and stay experienced. So, Rod, the question is a tough one. How do you balance development while still staying as experienced as you can be as a blue blood program? Because I think there's a difference between a blue blood and mm -hmm. Iowa State. Iowa State's always going to be a developmental program. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, I think for Texas, like you said, everybody's got a, a unique position in the NIL world, in the hierarchy of NIL and the transfer portal. Because don't, I mean, don't get it twisted. They're inextricably linked, right? Transfer portal and NIL. And obviously we can get deeper into that, probably can do a whole show about it. Um, I think a big part of it, if you're talking about balancing it out, the way Sark does it with Texas is probably ideal. Um, because he can bring in the top end talent from the high school level. And he's almost just supplementing at this point because their development has been so good. Now, if their development wasn't good. We got an issue. I think Texas would be heavier in the portal because yeah. you need, right? You I mean, need, you need short-term solutions and some of your high school guys are bringing in on more long-term solutions. You got developmental projects. Sark don't like bringing in projects no. via the transfer report. Y'all were just talking about this. Like, no, no, we need productivity. We need proven productivity via the portal and he's got the luxury of doing that but only because his staff has done such a great job at developing we got you got so many young guys that are trending toward breaking out and you've all already proven that 
you know, you, your developmental track works, especially at positions like, you know, D-line and hell, linebacker or what they've done. You've already kind of started the pipeline, guys, going to the NFL, and then now guys right behind them who are also going to be drafted prospects. And then you got high-end guys like Anthony Hill behind them, and then you're starting to build up, right? So I think for Sark, it's ideal right now. He doesn't really have to worry about – the pitfalls that a lot of other institutions and programs have to deal with transfer portal if they keep developing like this. Now, if they don't develop like this, and they're not going to happen at every position. That's why some positions you got to prioritize. Like wide receiver, it's not yeah. their fault they haven't you know developed wide receiver. They just had so many veterans at wide receiver, and then A.D. Mitchell worked out. Now, as you pointed out, Jerry, they may go to guys in the transfer portal with the wide receiver position. But development is the key to your approach to the transfer portal. If you're developing really well at certain positions, there's no need to really overcompensate with the transfer portal. But if you're not, the transfer portal for power five blue bloods like Texas, it's it's it, it's for you. It's it's your it should be like Sark does it just to supplement the roster. It shouldn't be how you build your roster for like Texas, but for other other schools like Texas State or even Colorado. Hey, man, you do it the way you do it the best way that works for you. But for Texas, I think Jerry's right. Uh, Sark's probably got the best model right now working, especially to help the culture, right? Because it's so much more homegrown that I think it does it does help the coach. You don't have to worry about the guys coming in. How much money is he making? Is you know is, is this a guy that fits really well? Sark, they they're really thorough about bringing in the right kind of guys, OKGs, our kind of guys that they know are going to fit into this culture. Yeah. Hey, and I'll uh, say this. Interior D-line is still very much a developmental position for me. I know everybody said sign five stars, sign five stars, but let us let me just point out how important development is. A&M has, what, nine five-star D-linemen on their roster? How many are projected first-round picks today? Even None. in future mock drafts, you still have to develop. You still have to – and that's where culture and development fit together – um, look, Walter Nolan, extremely talented player. Alabama didn't push for him. Not He's in the saying, portal, right? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying anything negative about Walter Nolan, but look, that's just his reality. He's an extremely talented player now, uh, but you have to develop these guys. I don't care how talented they are as defensive linemen. That is still very much a developmental position. I'll say going to that, somebody asked if Colin Simmons would be uh, at the uh, any Texas bowl practices that 15th through 17th weekend. That all mm. depends on if Duncanville beats North Crowley, which they're favored to do this Saturday. If Duncanville does that, they'll probably be playing North Shore, who plays Westlake this weekend. North Shore is a favorite over Westlake, so Duncanville will be playing for a state championship next weekend. Good stuff right there. I mean, look, this program right now is, is, is flipping five stars because they're developing. They're developing three stars into first-round draft picks. They're developing walk-ons, guys. I mean, they're developing gray yeah. shirts. Uh, who are you know making big plays on senior night? I mean, that's uh, this thing's at full bore right now. As long as that continues, things are going to be good. Do you guys feel uh, Jade is losing coverage on wide receivers lately? On the coaches asking him to do too much. Rod, you addressed this perfectly this morning on Jade yeah. Barron, uh, and I, I love it because I'll just set you up for it because he's a very disciplined player. And when you have enough tape on a disciplined player, you can attack his discipline. Expand on that for me. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a coincidence uh, that Mike Gundy and his staff, after an entire you know season of sample size, were able to come up with a really good game plan and expose Jade Barron just a little bit. 
And it really is because he is so consistent in his key in reading his keys and so aggressive in reading his keys. Remember I talk about how he plays with no fear in his game. He trusts his eyes. He trusts his film study. He sees a key. He doesn't wait to even confirm it. He goes, boom. And that's the way he operates. That's why he gets so many tackles for loss. That's why wide receiver screens don't even work on Jade Barrett. Really, any quick game around the line of scrimmage does not work on him because reading a three-step, he's really great at that. And he's really great at uh, being able to like to read the uh, the blocks of wide receivers and of tight ends who are coming back for those wide receiver screens or running back screens. But now that you have an entire season of sample size, you know how he plays certain concepts. I know how he's going to play the, the tight end screen. I know he's got to play. He's going to play the wide receiver screen. I know how he's going to play the, the the double moves. I know ex- I know how he's going to play the out. All right, so it's going to open him up to the out and up. So I think basically the reason Oklahoma State was was able to actually make some plays up today, Baron, when nobody else has. And later on in the season, we've seen actually some teams do it. TCU was able to do a little bit too. But they're all the same types of concepts. They're basically making his keys and making his aggressive reads work against him. So when he sees stock blocking go, he's he all he sees is oh that guy stalking, he's blocking. I'm going. I'm take I'm taking out this 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 screen of whatever uh the concept it may be. And they run the stock blocking go and they got the touchdown on them, right? The out and up. We know that he's uber aggressive at attacking out routes and quick games. So they run a double move with him, the out and up. They also know that Jaday Barron, because Texas plays him in the field. That if you can put him in no man's land a lot of time by going formation in the boundary. Go watch how often Oklahoma State went formation in the boundary. They can isolate safeties that way. And since Texas doesn't travel their nickel today, Baron, he often ends up as a deep field safety. That's how, remember that uh, play to, who gave up that deep ball? I, I forget early on. Was it Malik Muhammad? I think who gave up that deep ball early on. Or remember, right, they went Terrence Brooks, I think, on the opposite side, right? Field side. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And then, but he was supposed to be the safety over the top right. there, and he was a little bit late getting there. And I think I believe it was a, a, a double move. But either way, he was a little late getting over the top because they got him out of position. They got him playing in no man's land. They dialed up great plays specifically for Jade Barron. And it's not because he is distracted or because he's regressing. It's because they studied. 11, sorry, 12 games of, of Jade Barron playing out there, and they, they, and they attacked him exactly how I said you, you have to attack him. Yeah. Double moves and force his keys to work against him because he is so disciplined, all right? And his process is, is his technique are so consistent that, well, I, I know exactly how he's going to play and approach every, every concept and every route so I can make that work against him. The Cowboys had it happen to Deron Bland. He had been so good in coverage all year long, and Seattle basically was like, well, I know how he's going to play the curl route. I know how he's going to play the out. I know how he's going to play the fade. So all we do is it's about ball placement at that point. I know how he's going to position his body. He's going to attack. That's why he's leading the NFL interceptions. He's trying to go get the football. So we just got to work on when I run the curl route, position the ball here instead of where it usually would be placed on the curl route because that's where he's attacking or the out route or the deep route. And what do they do? They exposed to run bland. Does that mean he's not a great player? Of course he's a great player. Got a pick there. But that's the chess match within the game. That's how deep coaches get into the film study. All of your technique, unless you're a GOAT, it's going to working against you at one point, especially with games where you got extra time to study, like in big games, like the, the semifinal of the college football playoff between Texas and Washington. Hey, Rod, I want to say this too. 
I think we need to point this out. The the uh, national semifinal game will be the healthiest Jade, Jade Barron's been in two and a half months, yeah. three months. Look, that toe injury was an issue. You, they didn't want to play him against Houston. They had to play him. So we're going to see the healthiest Jade Barron we've seen since early in the season. I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, somebody's asking, who's the best plus prospect on the field of the year in the uh, regardless of classification in Duncanville, North Crowley, man, I'm going to fire up Colin Simmons and Alex Jander and everybody on this one before and more. It's John Turntine, the left tackle, the sophomore North Crowley. I think he is, he is better than Kelvin Banks at the same age. All that means is he needs, he's got to keep doing this and ascending. Uh, John Turntine could be a guy that's talked about as the number one prospect in the country in 2026. I think he's that level of a left tackle prospect. Um, he's 6'5", 290. He has an 84-inch wingspan, 10.5-inch hands. He moves very athletically. Um, he is a – he wants to – he wants to be a doctor. I mean, this – you're talking about a guy who may be the valedictorian of his class. Man. He's a top two or three in his class as a sophomore. Um, so he is – I think he is a special prospect. Texas offered when he came – uh, to a game earlier this season, his father was an all. I don't. I guess it was Mountain West defensive lineman a couple of years in a row for Gary Patterson. So he comes from a football family. But John Turntine is a stud prospect if he keeps ascending, and stays healthy. Well, on, on that question, Jerry uh, Colin Simmons will be here in January. Yeah, you know we've seen freshmen have immediate impact. Is he a guy that can have a big impact for Texas? Is they're looking for disruptors in the uh, portal? I mean, is that is that a kind of guy that can be you know, what we've yeah. seen with some of these freshmen? Yeah, and the bad thing for Collins, he's a little banged up right now. He's got a little bit of an ankle uh, going on uh, headed into that game. He's definitely not 100%. Um, but, yeah, I think Colin is an early enrollee. Alex January is an early enrollee. I think Colin Simmons will be an impact player for Texas. It may uh, it may be more situational pass rush early on while he still keeps adding strength and some uh, mass to that frame because he's, you know, he's 6'2", uh, 225, 228 probably. He, hopefully he gets up to 240, 245, so they don't team SEC teams just don't attack him in the run game. But he will be the best natural pass rusher at Texas the, the day he suits up for the Longhorns. Alex January, super strong, has made huge strides on the field this year, uh, giving up baseball last spring, got him in the weight room, got him in the spring practice, broader shoulders now. He's just really filling out, having a really good season playing over the ball. With him and DeAndre Robinson being early enrollees, that gives those guys a chance. Uh, I will also say that uh, we live here in Austin, Rod and I, and uh, you know, Galena Park North Shore will play Westlake in Pflugerville uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, people forget Ethan Burks had a great freshman year or first year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Colton Bostic, Colson, Colton Bostic, another name to watch for Texas as far as disruptors go. He hadn't played much this year, but Colton Bostic, when he was playing at Westlake for Todd Dodge and Tony Salazar, um, that defense was unbelievable. Colton Bossick's a guy to keep an eye on into the future for Texas, uh, yeah. without a doubt. Uh, Sark has a wide receiver circle of trust, played four-plus at Bama, basically played three at Texas. Actors say Sark would play five-plus if five-plus were in the circle from Michael in the Super Chat. Rod? Uh, yeah. I mean, at Bama, he had four first-round receivers, so that's why I think he expanded the circle of trust, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think if he if he was impressed by, you know, five receivers at Texas and felt, hey, man, I got to get these guys on the field, he would. I think Jonte could penetrate it a little bit later on in the season. Right. So he kind of got to three, three and a half here at Texas. And, 
Hell, we love I love Jay Witt, but he considered Jay Witt mostly a blocker for most of the season. Now we're starting to see Jay Witt become a bigger part of the passing game. You see in Jante Cook get some reps. So maybe he will expand it, but I think he now he's got a really exceptional group of wide receivers too. Um, with Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, NFL guys who will be drafted. And I think Jay Witt, you know, as an undrafted guy, I think he got an outside shot to make a roster too. Um, so, I, yeah, I think if he's got the right group, he would. But he he, it's hard to gain his trust as a wide receiver, I think. As I said, New York, it's tough. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't easy because I think he's so hands-on with the wide receivers. I think from what I've heard in terms of his practices, he, he's really hands-on with that group of wide receivers because of how intricate the his passing offense is, and he wants his wide receivers to be in the right spots for those shot plays that he takes. And that's why he doesn't like a, 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 a deeper group of wide receivers in the rotation because when he gets the right matchup, the right coverage, he wants to make sure his guys are in and ready for the shot plays. And not like, oh, we uh, we had the right coverage and the right matchup. Just had the wrong guy we were throwing the football to. That'll never happen to Sark's offense in his mind, ever. Uh, some, somebody's asking, <laughs> before we get to that, how many D1 prospects in Duncanville, North Crowley? Look, Duncanville's probably got 30, 35 Division One prospects, freshmen, <laughs> the senior class in their program. Some of those kids obviously aren't playing and won't play on Saturday. North Crowley has upwards of 8, 9, 10. I'm telling you, their junior quarterback who's committed to TCU as a slot receiver – I think is tremendous. I think he's a really good high school quarterback because he's a leader. He can throw it well enough. Uh, he can play on the move. He's got really good vision for the position. He's a receiver long-term. They have a running back that's fast, fast kid. Now, he's not Caden Durham fast. He's not that big. But uh, North Crowley may have some fringe D1 FBS guys. Uh, but that's going to be a very talented football game. Duncanville's favored. But if Duncanville doesn't play a clean game, it's not out of the question they could get beat. They got to play well against North Crowley. North Crowley's no, they're no joke. They're a good team. Uh, Coach Ray Gates does a great job over there, too. What he's done is he's kept a lot of those kids from going to Alito, and that's how you win. <laughs> Crowley. Hey, you never, I never talked to you, Jerry. Well, we'll get another super chat before we wrap this thing up. But you, uh, you, we, you and I were doing the deal in, uh, in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl or the Cotton Bowl game when DeSoto beat Duncanville and yeah. we were all both looking at the score going, what happened? Did you ever hear what went on with that game and how DeSoto was able to pull that upset? Look, uh, uh, Duncanville's offensive line uh, was Olay in that night. I mean, they did not have a good <laughs> night. I mean, one player had five sacks in that game. Purdue, maybe he flips the SMU. We'll see a 2025 kid, an undersized edge kid. That's more of a linebacker. He's like a uh, Keelan. I'm six, one, two Oh five. He had five, six sacks in that game. I mean, one player. Um, so the offensive line did not handle uh, well for Duncanville in that game, uh, and that really put them behind the eight ball. But, I mean, look, that's kind of what happens. I mean, that's what I – Ralph Neely says 42-21 Duncanville. I think, uh, um, yeah, I mean, that that's the key. If Duncanville plays well, they're a better team than North Crowley. But if they don't, if they don't play well, watch out in that game. North Crowley is – they're a tough-minded team. Uh, but DeSoto, I think what happens there is Duncanville climbed to the top, right? I mean, and then there's those kids at DeSoto right down the street. They got sick of hearing it. They wanted that game worse than Duncanville did. Bottom yeah, line, are they a better team than Duncanville? Maybe. They don't have better talent. They're still talented, but they're not as ta nearly as talented as Duncanville. But those kids, they wanted a piece of that one that night. I love that. All right, one more. Uh, we have a couple more Super Chats there. Uh, Jerry, please, I know it's a bit off topic. Give us the official tradition of – Traditional blue blood list. Oh, this, might, this might actually be a show we need to do. Um, I think you're right. 
you know. Um, I, I've seen a lot of the Nebraska, I've seen a lot of the Nebraska stuff. The thing with Nebraska, I always said about them is once Prop Forty Eight went away, Tom Osborne went away and went into retirement shortly after. And Prop then they have the uh, the walk on plan or whatever that was. Is that a myth or real? No, that was real. But the Prop Forty Eight was where. Prop 48 was where they got some of those really talented California guys, those mm-hmm. fringe qualifier guys that they could sit a year in their program um, and they could still practice and be part of the team. You could, have, I believe you had three a year in Prop 48. I might, Bobby, Bobby Burton could probably talk about this better. I believe it was three. But when Prop 48 went away, that really hurt Nebraska because, I mean, Rod, think about this coming out of high school. Nebraska was really good, right? Oh, yeah, man. Would you oh, want yeah. to visit him, though? No. <laughs> There's the answer. Next question. <laughs> hey, but Rod, hey, but Rod did visit Florida Colorado. State. It wasn't Florida. It wasn't Miami. It just like it's not yeah. a destination for prospects. That's no. the he did visit Colorado, though. I know that. Colorado was kind of cool. Remember that? The uniform. Yeah, Center Cormier was there. Yeah, yeah, remember Dion. yeah, I was a big fan of Dion Figures back in the day because he had won the yeah. Thorpe. He was a DB there. Michael Westbrook. Was that the wide receiver I'm thinking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah, it was. That was. He, caught the, he caught the Hail Mary Hail Mary. Yeah. With, yeah. yeah. And and Colorado, recruited, Colorado recruited Houston successfully. Chris yeah, Anderson from Laporte. Canavis yeah. McGee. Canavis McGee. McGee. Yeah. yeah. Man. I mean, hey, one of the best one of the best recruiting stories of all time is Rick Neuheisel hiding behind the couch <laughs> for Cedric Cormier's in-home visit with Texas. <laughs> and it's 100 percent true. And it's one of the best recruiting stories of all time. Was Rick Neuheisel staying after his in-home visit, laying down and hiding behind the couch to listen to the uh Texas uh, in-home hey. visit? Hey, I know the- Rick. I know Rick Duhazel, uh, and I believe that story. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, hey, hey, let me ask you this, and then we'll get to some more Super Chats. We will do next Tuesday on the Longhorn live stream the Blue Blood list. But yes. I need to, like, in your mind, we don't go want to go through them. That'll take too long. How many are there? Oh, that's a great Let's question. Let's put a number on it, and then we'll, both come, we'll all come with a list less eight? next week. Eight? Yeah, that's, when, that's the number in my head. See, but that's the thing. There are eight maybe in your head, but then you just brought up Nebraska. When do you lose blue blood status? That's going to be a fun when discussion. Is a, right, and when does a new blood become a blue blood? Right? Because they've won so much and established their brand. So, so that's I think Because I, I think when you do that debate, you have to establish the criteria. Yeah. Where, yeah. where are we? What generation are we? We're talking about now. We're talking about all time. We're talking about, um, you know, where, but yeah, I think that's a fun debate as far as blue. Blue blood because, uh, you know, and you know, because there are some that have never not been blue bloods and still are, and there are some that kind of float in and around it. But it's good to bake. Let's do that next Tuesday for sure. Mark that somebody, down. Somebody said, Shout out to Cibolo Steel. Absolutely. Big game against Humble Summer Creek uh, coming up Saturday. Winner goes to the state championship. Is game that Kelvin Banks High School? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, I was down there a few weeks ago. They're getting that, that talent levels back. They got some really good defensive backs. Dante Carter going to Vanderbilt. Once he gets physically ready, he's going to be a really good player. They have four D1 kids in the secondary. Junior quarterback that's a D1 on some level. Two two really good running backs. That's going to be a good game. And one thing I'll say for any Steel fans out there, the linebacker at Summer Creek, Xavier Atkins committed to LSU. Somebody's got to block that dude, else he'll tear you up. 
That's all I got to say. <laughs> He'll go 20 tackles in a game if you don't handle him now. He's the one you said is a blur, right? Oh, gosh, is he fast, man. He plays <laughs> four, He plays four, four, five, or four, five. He looks like the fastest player on the field. All right, uh, more Super Chats, Matt. What do we have out there as we uh, wrap up a Longhorn live stream on a Tuesday night? Uh, ideal portal window would be, if not December, playoff. Yeah, so I think the issue there is the portal window has to remain where it is. I, the one thing I don't like is the December signing period. I've never been a proponent of it. I think it's dumb because if a, if a, <laughs> if a college has to fire a coach, they're totally hosed because you, they're totally hosed. You're not going to be able to put a recruiting class together. And anytime you miss an enti- a big recruiting a recruiting class nowadays, you're so far behind. I've always said the early signing period should be in August, before high school practice, before uh, college season starts. And I think 20% of kids would sign. That would be the 20% of kids that are going to go to that the school they're committed to come hell or high water. That's where they want to be no matter what. Coaching change no matter what. They've always dreamed about playing at the University of Texas or Texas A&M or Oklahoma. They're done with the process. I think 80% of kids would hold off till February. I don't know. It's too easy. It makes too much sense, and I don't want to get on a soapbox. If you're having to fire these college coaches in late November and early December, I know life's not fair, but that's ridiculous to have a December signing period. And now that you have the portal with it, it's serious sensory overload. I mean, you can't do it. They need to have an August signing period early and have a February signing period for high school football. And if you know what, then the argument is, well, what about the kids who are early enrollees? So many kids are early enrollees. They don't sign national letter of intent anyways. They're, they're going to do their thing. They're going to enroll. If there's a coaching change, then they can change schools if they want. But the, it, you can't have all of it right now in December long term. I just think it's a bad plan. I agree with you. Uh, Rod, we, Rod and I talked this morning about uh, – no, he's going to feel bad for Joy McGuire and Texas Tech, but they have a bowl game on December 16th, the Independence Bowl. <laughs> uh, they're trying to get ready for a bowl game while keeping their roster together in the portal, while attacking the portal, while trying to put a recruiting class together. They're already at bowl practice. I mean, they don't get to pick the bowl they go to, but uh, December 16th, G- Jeff Trailer at UTSA has a bowl game December 19th. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, to be dealing with. I agree with you about that, by the way, the ahead of the season signing period. What would you do with junior college players? Just wait till February? Um, you know, I think if, you, if you're a midterm guy, you're a midterm guy. But otherwise, yeah, February. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think it just seems makes my head hurt to think about it for those guys. Uh, as far as that goes, it's just too many uh, things happening uh, to deal with them all at a high level. Uh, you know, any more super chats, Matt? I wonder if Urban Meyer wishes he never turned down the Texas job. Good question there, Damon. Well, um, I mean, look, he he popped up that hood and said there were a lot of issues. He did. I heard it. And then you know what happened? He went to Jacksonville, and Jacksonville popped up that hood and said, you're the issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that went good. That went good. <laughs> yeah, I was right. Well said. <laughs> well, well said. Uh, with UW loving slant routes, Rod, do you all think Texas will play more press coverage? Do you all think Ben but don't break style more dangerous against UW? Uh, as yeah. opposed to OSU. And also, uh, thank you, Dark Borg, for the uh, nice super chat there. Uh, take that question, Rod, but also, too, how much does it help Texas and these DBs and, you know, PK and uh, these guys? that They saw them last year both yep. ways. At least they know the personnel. They don't. It's not just film. They can go back to what worked and didn't work last year both ways. It helps Washington. It helps Texas, I got to think. Uh, I totally agree with you. Actually, that was – Terrence Brooks had a good game uh, yes. in that game, in that, in that bowl game. Totally agree about the slants. And, listen, they 
their route tree is as sophisticated as it gets. They love the vertical routes, but I mean, Penix has a, he has a hell of an arm and he'll trust it to throw a lot of those kind of deep out cuts. They'll throw like an out cut that's damn near 20 yards downfield. <laughs> uh, and, and Penix has got the strong enough arm to get it there with the inside breaking routes. Texas has played more bump and run press coverage on the field and the boundary side the last two games. Um, Jerry and I have been talking about it. You know, we hypothesize it maybe because they just don't fear the wide receivers for Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. You will have to play some press yes. against Washington. If you go back and look at it, it, it and, and when they're, they've been their least effective offensively uh, passing the football, there, there are a lot of times one of the common denominators is Teams playing press coverage, throwing off the timing. Do they get beat at times playing that press coverage? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's one of the ways you're going to have to roll the dice. Situationally, you're going to have to know when you can press. Maybe you're pressing on that, the wide side of the field, to make those really tough throws uh, for Michael Pendix. Maybe it's situationally on third down, but you will have to do it. Um, and also, the inside breaking routes. They really hasn't been an issue for Texas in the last two games because they're up playing press and they can take away some of the easy completions, the quick throws. So they're going to have to do it. They're going. There's no doubt about it. You're going to see them in press versus Washington. They got to be very judicious though, because if not, Washington will make them pay early and often over the top. I, I, think, I think the thing that makes Washington tough, guys, outside of what Rod said. They'll line Romeo Dunze up in the slot. They'll line up McClill, Mc, Mc, McMillan in the slot. It's not like you watch them and say, okay, we know where uh, they're going to attack with Romeo Dunze. No, I mean, they play multiple guys in the slot, right? I mean, and then they run those, boom, those those crossing routes, right? Deep crossing routes across crossers. the field. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't get pressure, those guys are going to eventually outrun you. Yeah, unless you have Patrick Peterson and Deion Sanders out there, Romeo Dunze is going to outrun you across the field well, at some level. This is what's so exciting about this game. There, we, we talked about they're both going to be healthy and have a month to prepare. But you know, Rod, you've talked about this is an NFL quarterback uh, who some have compared to a bigger, sturdier Tua as far as his ability to, to throw the football from the left side, and then three NFL receivers um, and a pretty, as you saw in the Oregon game, pretty good running back uh, who can play. So. This is a heavyweight fight, man. You're gonna have they're gonna score some points. You're gonna have to respond with some points. I mean, this is not gonna be Texas Tech or Oklahoma State. Uh, you know that. That's what's uh, fun about these games. We saw it last year in the semifinals when TCU yep. played Michigan and Georgia played Ohio State. You know, it's gonna go to the fourth quarter. Uh, you're gonna have to to make plays all game long. Uh, Lane, appreciate that. Jerry had mentioned if Arizona State defense was yep. very successful against UW. What did they do that worked so well? Great question, right there. They they held them down without an offensive touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Now they had a couple of receivers hurt. I don't think I don't believe McMillan played in that game. Exactly. But here's yeah. the thing, Rod. I think you watched some of it. They pressed and played. Oh, they pressed and played cover two behind it, right? They did a tier two eye safeties with press on the outside. Lots yep. of interior pressure from the second level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To get him so linebacker, so linebacker blitzes. Yes, yeah, second level pressures up the middle, just getting pressure in the middle. And Penix was late on a lot of those throws. Uh, they, they started moving the pocket, actually, toward the end of that game, getting him on the move because they knew they just couldn't block him up the middle. That was a nice game plan Arizona State had. They also, and this is something I noticed uh, in the Oregon State game, pretty much I watched like four or five games, just went back and watching the film. Oregon State actually did a lot of pre-snap disguise, uh, moving things around, and you can tell it forced him to be a little bit late 
um, in his process on some of his throws, still made some magnificent throws, but there seems to be a little bit of a blueprint. I'm with Jerry. I would go a lot of interior pressure. If you can get it, you'll get it organically anyway with Sweat and Murphy, but I would double down on it. That's the pressure that all quarterbacks hate the most, especially pocket-passing quarterbacks. I would probably also go bump and run on the outside to disrupt timing as much as I can judiciously, and you got to change the look pre-snap and post-snap for Penix. Can't make it easy on him and let his pre-snap read be exactly what he gets post-snap. He'll eat you alive. Well said. Uh, will AD be the first and last player to win back-to-back ships on different teams? <laughs> like the- <laughs> <laughs> Not the. I don't know if he'll be the last though, because this this transfer portal thing is crazy. He won't be the last. He won't be the last. <laughs> it's like the uh, the reliever Will Smith, who won has won three three straight World Series with three different teams: yep. Braves, Astros, Rangers. Crazy. Quinn no, stays. He automatically stays starting. Austin. That's uh, a super yeah. chat. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Why stay? If you ain't got the starting job, I, I think he may try the NFL. All right, perfect. Uh, Jerry, will Texas hire a general manager for football? Sark said he's a general manager and can handle – right, uh, and, and can coach. Can he handle a general manager? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if the, if it will be termed the general manager, but I do think you're going to have an addition long-term in college football – I mean, maybe it's – I don't know what even you'd even call the position. I mean, look, Texas has a former NFL scout that does a lot of uh, portal re, uh, evaluation stuff, takes it to the staff. Um, I think you're going to see that expand in the future in college football if things stay as they currently are, which I don't know why it would change. I don't know what that position will be called. I don't know if they'll have a, really a general manager necessarily um, because mm-hmm. I think that's the head coach dominant um, – I mean, Nick Saban would never have a general manager. He's always going to be the general manager, right? The director of player personnel kind of thing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, with it, but it's going to be that with much more, right? Maybe there's somebody over portal and recruiting and roster management. And then obviously Sark is the head coach and general manager and has final say over all of it. See, the well beauty said. of the general the general manager title in the NFL is you are you're also tied to the financial element, right? You've right. got a capologist who's like, Yeah, man, I like this guy, but we're gonna spend too much money for him in the free agent market. So we want to get a guy kind of like him. So we gotta draft the guy because they're cheaper. So the financial element is there, and don't forget, even though the coaches probably won't admit it and they don't want to get deep into it. The transfer portal and now talent acquisition and NIL are inextricably linked. They yeah. they cannot be disentangled anymore. Whether you're talking about for recruiting or what you're talking about for the transfer portal, NIL is there, is the new law of the land. So I wonder when you do get that GM, personnel, man, whatever it may be, how do they also you know work with the financial element and the NIL, which is the law of the land? Because that's they 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 gotta dive into it. It's impossible to disentangle that when you're going after big time prospects and big time transfer portal acquisitions. You're right about that. hundred percent. All right. Uh, is wide receiver core at Washington, like LSU 2019 core. Uh, not that good. It's not, not that, that good. good. It's not, not that it's not good. Not Alabama with the four yeah. first rounders. It's, it's, it's the yeah. cut below. Yeah. It's yeah. not that good. Dunze's first round. Um, yeah. what do you think? You know, second other, day, third day yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and the other he he's a he's a first day guy, but the other guys um are they're they're mid-round picks to late round picks. Well, I received I've said this before, and Jerry probably can back me up because he knows way more about recruiting and uh transfer portal stuff than me. I think wide receiver is the deepest position in football at yeah. any level. 
Yeah, I do. I, and I think that's why you can get quality wide receivers in the transfer portal. And I think at one point that just hurts wide receivers. It's hurting Xavier Worthy right now. I mean, he is a guy we all thought would be a first round guy. He may or may not be just because there's just a lot of wide receivers out there. I think it pushes the value down of really good wide receivers. But those guys, I can look at them and tell those guys are, and guys can play on NFL rosters. So they probably can make the Chiefs right now. <laughs> the Chiefs struggling at eight and four. All right, guys, good stuff right there. Energy Texas brought you a Tuesday Longhorn live stream. We've got uh, more to come, man. A lot to do. Longhorn basketball tomorrow night, Jerry, with Marquette. Uh, I know Longhorn fans will be watching that. Are you uh, optimistic, pessimistic? What do we uh, need to see tomorrow night for uh, the Longhorns against Shaka Smart's team? Yeah, you know, so I put out uh, on Inside Texas this morning that Dylan DeSue not expected to play. I, I, we've been, I've been here in mid-December. That would that leads me down the path of LSU. Now, they do play a game December 9th, but I think LSU December 16th, if it's not, then it's December 22nd. I think they'd love to get him in before December 22nd. He's building back, getting the legs back under him. He's practicing, but I think mid-December is where you're looking. So I don't think Dylan the suit plays tomorrow. I th- I'll tell you this, Texas with the big lineup has struggled to score the basketball. They can't fall behind early against a team like Marquette. Now, I don't think Marquette is a world beater. I don't think they're a great team. Uh, they're six and two, ranked eight. But they do have two guards that can get to your end of the paint. If you don't stop the ball and guard the ball in that game, then they're going to force a lot of fast rotations and not controlled rotations. Got to get off to a better start if you're going to start the big lineup. Got to limit the Kolick and the other guard. The other guard's lightning quick. Got to limit how many times they get in the paint and have you at a disadvantage. If Texas can do those two things, I think they can score enough points to win. Now, the third thing is that Texas had way too many unforced turnovers early in the season. They've cut down on that. I think Texas will play a pretty good game. Faster-paced game helps Tyrese, Hunter, Dylan, Mitchell, but they have to control the Marquette uh, guards in the paint enough to where they don't give up a lot of easy looks and put Marquette on the foul line a lot. All right, guys, props to the Texas women and uh, Vic Schaefer for the big win on Sunday over UConn. Uh, Rory Harmon's a beast. That, that young lady can play, man. What a dog she is for Texas. Uh, excited to see that. Texas volleyball uh, playing out at Stanford against Tennessee on Thursday night. Good luck to those uh, ladies uh, as they move forward. And obviously, we've got a lot more Texas portal talk. We talked about the receivers, talked about uh, the safety, uh, Makuba. That's one to keep an eye on. And I know you'll have more on that on coffee and football tomorrow, Jer. And certainly we'll have it, Rod, with you and I on uh, on uh, Hook'em Up tomorrow morning on the Horn locally here in Austin and certainly on the Horn app if you're all over the country. We got you covered for five hours a day every single day. Like and subscribe for more for the best Longhorn coverage right here at Inside Texas. Thank you to Energy Texas. Let me mention them one more time. We appreciate them so very much uh, for what they do. They're Texans. You're calling Texans uh, to you know fight the uh, little guy against big energy. Uh, EnergyTexas.com. It's Energy Texas. Texas Electricity done right bringing you this Longhorn, Longhorn live stream on a Tuesday night. Guys, this will be a fun month. Fun month, man. Uh, you know, we had a fun lead-up and regular season and championship and all that went on. Uh, this is going to be a good time. There's a lot to talk about, a lot of good things to talk about. Couldn't have a better team than uh, Rod B right there, Jerry, Bobby, uh, the whole team, Matthew back at the, uh, the headquarters there. Pretty darn good stuff. Appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good night. You too. Okay. You guys too. Okay.